Welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin. This is session number 26. So when I hear stuff like that, they're like, oh, this other car store hates you. I'm like, good, this means they're not ignoring us. This means that they think we have some kind of value, some kind of importance, and they hate that about us. They're paying attention to us. Welcome to part two of the Dirium CCG's interview. If you haven't listened to the first episode, go back to episode 25 of the Maniverse podcast and give that one a listen. And then come on back. We'll still be here. And with that, we'll uh, let's just get started and pick up where we left off. Exactly. That's, that's a good thing. That means I'm actually doing something important enough to garnish that attention, good or bad. Basically, Zsa Zsa Gaboring it, if anyone knows that reference. Anyone? Anyone? Nope. I don't. God damn it, I'm fucking old. Zsa Zsa Gabor got in trouble for slapping her husband, right? And it was negative press, bad press. I don't remember the whole story behind it, but basically, you know, she was asked if it's going to damage her reputation, and she's like, even bad publicity is still publicity. Mm. So there you go. That's where that came from? Yes. Zsa Zsa Gabor. Okay. Aaron, why do you think other places don't like us? Other than YouTube. It's probably uh, our crate service. They're just jealous. I hate is going to hate. God, that was too easy. Crate to envy? Maybe. That, why other people didn't do that is mind blowing, dude. That was just too easy to get off the ground. Tell me about it. It sucks, though. It's a pain in the ass, but. We we opened it and financial wise at our peak, we only ran it for a few months. We were profiting eight grand a month off of it, like eight grand a month profit, because we're like, hey, here's a service, and we don't suck like the other two guys. Now we did have our issues, growing pains, and there was the thing. That's why we shut it down. There was too many technical issues. We couldn't offer the service the way we wanted to. Um, and I'm I'm not gonna fucking even I'm not gonna make. At that time, we were making probably like five and a half, six grand a month when we shut it down. Um, but I'm not going to profit six grand a month off a subpar fucking service. Like, fuck that. But it was just, it's such easy money. Such easy money where it's just like, I don't know why there was no one else who, who did it and just pushed it as hard as we did. I just don't get it. Because the other two places that did magic, um, one was like two guys out of their basement that literally scammed people. And the other one... I'm not even sure who they are, honestly, but they they were really subpar with what they offered. It's just weird. It's a lot of money, a lot of money in your pocket, you know, upwards of 100 grand a year with not much work that I just don't know why anyone else hasn't tried tapping. Okay, for those, really who, those who don't know, what what is the crate service? Like, describe it. Because maybe people don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's just like uh, Loot Crate, for example, everyone knows. You know, monthly subscription service. Um, we offered three. One was Aaron's baby and it actually worked so kudos to you again Aaron mm-hmm. but you know we offered one was nine booster packs for $30 and the other one was a $40 crate where we tried to give them thing was $65 in retail value and that's all it was you know so you get a monthly subscription you pay every month and you get a box delivery every month and those are huge those have 
blown up in the past two years. They are everywhere, crate services. So they're no secret. You know, they're no, they're not some small thing. Like a lot of people get monthly subscriptions. And, you know, I sat back and watched these other two places do it terribly, like terribly. And Aaron and I are like, we could do this better. You know, like these two places should not be the two places representing Magic the Gathering, which is like the two shittiest crate services we've seen. Let's do this. But the problem is, is we didn't expect it to be as big as we thought it was at first, too. Mm. And again, you know, we shut it down because I don't want to offer subpar service. But, like, there's so much fucking money to be made out there. And if anyone else wants to do it, do it. Well, Aaron and I will fucking teach you how. Like, there's enough room out there for there to be probably five, six, seven magic services going on. I don't care about the competition. Shit, Aaron and I probably should be happy if you did it. But, um... Just do it well. There's... Yeah, just do it well. Like, represent the community the way it needs to be represented. Offer a good service. And I promise you, you're going to make 100 grand a year off of it. Like, good God. <laughs> it's I'm crazy. sure that'll get some people pumped. It's, I can tell you how. I can teach you how. It's something where, you know, we were making like six grand a month off of it. And this sounds pretentious to snub my nose at it. I'm not snubbing my nose <laughs> at the money. That's great fucking money. But as, you know, as Aaron said, and I was talking to one, it's very hard for him and I to get people in to take the initiative to run a service like that for us. Um, bless Aaron's heart. But Aaron's like, fuck it. I'll do the whole thing. I'm afraid Aaron's going to have a heart attack soon from overworking himself. Um, I want to work on new projects. And there's a couple that I'm working on. That I'm not ready to like talk about, but they that I want to work on. And so you know, we don't really have the manpower right now and the desire to go all in on a crate service. Mm-hmm. Like we can offer one and we will, and we, it'll be good. You know, it'll be there, but that's not the focus we want to go on, you know? So it's like, if someone could come out and do it and do it right and do it well for the community, then by all fucking means, I will counsel them on how to do it and teach them what I've learned. Just, just do a good service. Just that's all I care about. It's a lot of work. It is, but it's a lot of money too. If if you had like if you had a card shop that had a couple guys that knew what they were doing and they they worked it full time, you will be successful, you know? You you will be. Cool. Shit. I'll push it on my own channel for you. <laughs> so yeah, might it's, uh, take you up on that. I'm it's sure something where Yeah, I would like to do it. You know, but I don't want to run it myself because I've got other plans for my business. Mm-hmm. You know, that isn't the end all be all where I wanted to be. Um, and I don't want to work Aaron to death and we don't have the guys that take the initiative on it. So on the back end, we're not prepared for it. We're, we're going to offer it and we're going to do it. But I would gladly let someone else or help someone else do it. So, yeah, money to be made. Cool. But by the way, for everyone thinking, you have to own a brick and mortar store for Wizards of the Coast product. I'm yeah, sorry, but it cuts minimum. out the guy in the basement. Or, yep. you know what? Fucking run it for us. You can have half the money. There you go. Want to make 50 grand a year? Come work for us. That's quite an offer. <laughs> it's there. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me revise this. Potentially 50 grand a year. Okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, uh, hmm. Next topic. All right. While you're thinking, how about this? Aaron. Sure. Yeah. Being a manager of a card store, 
for a few years. Where do you want the card store to be over the next few years? Like, what are your aspirations or goals or anything with coming up in the store? Like, what do you want out of it, personally and business-wise? Um, I would like to hold giant tournaments. I like uh, seeing a bunch of people in the store just there to, like, hang out and play in tournaments. Like, even... Like big tournaments and just big crowds of people for like open game days and stuff like that, or I mean, I like tournaments just because I mean it gets our name out there um I would like to have like a like kind of like what t c g player does in star city games where they have like their own little t c g open or whatever that'd be fun I think we could do that honestly, <clears throat> at least locally we could definitely could mm, that's a pretty good segue that's kind of what I wanted to talk about next. Do you run events in store right now? Aaron, you can take this completely. Um, we do run small events, but we only get like maybe 10 to 20 people. Um, when We normally just do like the normal stuff like standard tournaments and Friday Night Magic. Uh, we're trying to get into new things like Force of Will, but it's really just smaller stuff and it's the same people that come in every week. Okay, so you don't uh, don't run anything big, organized we, at the um, moment. We we've, did. We've done we like did. we did an IQ, maybe two, and we got a lot of people. Um, we've done a what are they called? PPTQs. Uh, mm-hmm. We've done a I think two of those now, but that's uh that's all we've really done. The IQ was really fun. We had like 110 people show up. And um, I think the second one we did, we had 40. But uh, I think the IQ was our biggest event that we had, uh, except for like pre-releases that we've done. I think we had like 110 people at a Return to Ravnica pre-release. Yeah, we had to turn people away. I hated that. Yeah, that one was pretty big in my area too. First time they did the seated, seated packs, I believe. From my actually, yeah, it might have been. My perspective on the bigger events is, um, I it's it's so out of my area where I'm just kind of hands off on it. Like Baker wants to do, like bigger events, and uh, again, that might be part of the initiative problem we were talking about earlier. When I'm just like, well, do it, just just do it, you know, because it's something that I don't know anything about. I don't know how to advertise. I don't know how to do any of that. But like, you know, Baker and Dan Muster and a lot of them, like they do and they go to a lot of them. So I'm just kind of like. I'll trust your expertise on that. So I, I'm not sure. It's something where I was just taking hands off. It's like, yeah, if you guys want to do it, you guys are the ones that have to deal with it. Like, I don't have to deal with it. It'd be Aaron and everyone else. And so I'm just like, all right, we'll do it. But we just haven't really um, did a big push for it yet. Um, one of the problems is our store is just not very big. I would like to have maybe one day get a larger store where we could hold like 300 people. We've been trying, man. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. I really just want to have like a, I don't know. It'd be sweet to have like a a sixteen bit bar, kind of like yes. arcade stuff in our store. I want that as well. Yeah. Um, Thomas, do you mind if we uh, speak about that for a minute? Actually, yeah, go for it. Um, well, first of all, we there's a building I'm trying to buy. It's about six thousand square feet. Um, That's pretty. Trying big. as in the owner's my brother and. Mm-hmm. He wants to sell it to me, but he's opening a new place, and 
we don't know what the fuck's going on with it, but going getting into kind of dream stores like that's Aaron and I on the same page. When we walk to that building, there's a part that I want to put a bar like that in there too. Not like a bar bar exactly, but I want to have a basically an arcade inside of there. Just all free-to-play fucking games. My ideal end goal of a game store is it's a place you come and play games. Not just shit where you play games that I'm trying to fucking sell you. You know? Um, there's another store I'm not going to mention by name. Um, I'm not allowed to. But they have an open okay. game day. It's like ten dollars to get into whatever you get, like five dollars back store credit, and you just play games. And I and they do it like once every three months. I think it's once every three months, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And it was fucking fun. I loved it being there from like open to close, just playing games with people. Every time you played a game, you got like some store credit or whatever. Like it was sweet. And that's like that was the fun. It's just going to a game store, grab games off the shelves, fucking play them. I've always wanted to have just a massive collection of board games that we don't necessarily sell. Um, you know, decks of uh, TCG games or whatever that you can just play. A fucking arcade um, room or whatever. And just shit where you can just come in, have fun, play games, not even spend a dime if you don't want to, and just leave. That is where I want to be. But we will need like that 6,000 square feet for things like that, especially if we're going to run bigger events. So... I'm trying to work on that, but yeah, shit, I don't, I don't know how realistic it's going to be right now. But that's ultimately what I want to own. It's just a fun place to go to, not... You know, when you used to go... I don't know if you guys used to go to arcades when you were kids, but when you went in there, you didn't go in there. It didn't feel like you were at a business trying to get money out of you, but arcades were built, especially arcade games, to suck as many quarters out of you as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why arcade games are very tough. You know, it was built to extort as much money as they could. But it didn't feel like they were trying to rob you of your money. You were having so much fun. So it's like, I don't want a store where I'm like, oh, play this game. By the way, it's only forty nine ninety nine. No. You know, come in, play the fucking game. And you know what? Just, just return it to the counter when you're done and I'm happy. That's what I ultimately want. And I want large crowds of people there for it, too. Interesting. But yeah, when you said like large crowds of people, that's the crowds I want. Tournaments, to me, they're a hassle, mainly because I don't know anything about the structure of them. What they do. like Dan Musser is the one that built our our pre-release pack structure for us, our payouts and all this and all that. Like, mm-hmm. um, or at least I should say we verified it through him. I think Aaron got it off the ground, but it's like things like that. I'm just so inept about. I just don't. I guess I don't feel comfortable. Uh, creating my own event, pushing my own event, figuring out the prize payout and the price. It's just outside of my realm of comfortability, I guess. But Aaron, what else do you want in our dream shop? Uh, a DDR machine. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I really just want a Dave & Buster's instead of having a restaurant. Just have a, a card shop. There are... What are the but, bar arcades called? They're not Dave & Buster's. They're there's something else. 16-bit. Is it the 16-bit? They're getting, yeah. they're getting relatively popular. They really are. Shouldn't it just be I mean, called arcades? a barcade? Yeah, they're coming back in a different incantation now. Of course, their focus is on like you know selling alcohol and shit like this. But yeah, something like that that meshes well with what we already have would be a dream, honestly. Yeah. No, I could as a uh, a player. That sounds awesome. I would think from a. Like, if another business owner was listening to you right now, they'd probably be like, well, how are you going to make money with this? 
It's like I don't care. That's fair, that's but the, the uh, yeah, just that part kind of seems sort of perplexing. I mean, I can answer that part actually. Like how we're gonna make money, I don't care if we do or not. And the simple answer is this: um, I don't care about the store and the store sales. And what I mean by that is. I have secured us enough where we are moving enough product online and through other companies that we are safe, that we don't have to sell anything. I don't have to shove a sale down a customer's throat. And that is where I wanted to be, where the store is there and it's there. If it makes zero dollars, we're fine because of online. So we, we got to where we are and I want to continue growing. I want to grow online even more where we can offer a 6,000 square foot you know, playroom that is free because online is carrying the weight. Now, if online is not going to carry the weight, a barcade, you know, if you did um, food, you don't have to do a, a cafe to get a health license or anything. You can still do a lot of food that'll sell like crazy. If you do get a liquor license, that'll sell like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are a lot of games that you can pump a million quarters into that are still fun as hell. I would go to a full-fledged arcade still and spend a bunch of money. And... The good part is, is the kids that grew up with fond memory of arcades, we're now in our 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know, we now have the disposable income. That's why uh, right now, is it PS2 games, I think? Mm -hmm. Or is it PS1 games are exploding in price because those guys that grew up with it are now in their late 20s and they have disposable income. So it's raising all the prices of those video games. I mean, I collect Nintendo games. I'm competing with people in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. You know, and I pay $300, $400 per game because I have the money to do it, and that's what I want. And anyone who collects Nintendo games knows that the prices are like 40 times what they used to be six years ago. So, Interesting. You can cap- yeah, and you can capitalize on that market with arcades, because the people who are fond memories of arcades now have the disposable income to go there, drink some beer, play some arcade games, and have some fun, because nostalgia is huge. So you could definitely do it physically and capital it'd be a different business model than what aaron and i want to do but it's the same basic thing it's more than possible and like i said they are becoming popular you don't have to go dave and buster's route but they are definitely becoming popular and you can do it we just want to do it differently because you know we at least me i'll speak for myself not aaron is my business i look at as an it's online the physical part is where the fun is online is where the business is so I want to grow that, grow the store, grow the fun in the store, but then grow the business, which is online, like kind of simultaneously. The more we sell online, the more arcade machines I can buy to put on the floor. I like it. I like it for sure. How well, what's the proportions? Like you said, like online is basically supporting your, your brick and mortar store, essentially mm-hmm. allowing it to exist. Is it? Like eighty twenty or something? Like how how lopsided is it? It's pretty goddamn lopsided. We do we do a lot of in store sales though. We do a lot. Um, it actually still surprises me how much we do move product in store. Now, it's for percentage. It's probably closer to sixty forty. Yeah, it's we just we move a phenomenal rate in store. Like we really fucking do, and it surprises me. When do you think that but, is? Um, TCG player and in-store is probably 60% TCG player, 40% store sales. For um, boxes, I could actually give you the actual percentage here if I can run the numbers. When we get a brand new set in, we put probably 
Well, we, we, we skewed it this last set. We had something kind of different, but we usually keep 20-ish percent of all the product of a new set on our shelves. And the rest gets moved online within literally like a few days. We could... Our problem is always this. When we get in a shit ton of product, our question is how much do we need for our shelves? The rest is going online. We don't prioritize online. So we try to stock our shelves with as much as we think we need and then the rest goes online. So we kind of have the issue where we're not getting enough stuff to move online right now, if that wow. makes sense. And this is uh, sealed packs and singles? Boxes. Just, just boxes. Yeah, uh, again, the store has priority with singles as well. Um, whatever, like for example, with um, Force of Will, we're getting into that, and I'm, I'm doing the online stuff, is I took everything we had from Force of Will, I gave it to Yusuf and Baker, and I'm like, stock up the store, everything you need, anything that's overflow, I'm going to start an online store with it. That's how it is with all of our singles. Store gets priority once the store has every criteria met, you know, with Pokemon, Magic, Force of Will, anything then we sell the overflow. But the overflow sells really fucking fast. In so it's kind of weird. The store has priority because I don't want to fuck over customers, you know, our actual mm-hmm. customers that come in, but online it moves it quicker and we make more over on it, you know, at the end of the day. Was it always that way? Like I assume you didn't start doing online sales immediately as soon as you opened the store. Correct. We did not. We did not have to, which was crazy. Hmm. So just um, kind of like, oh, let's try it out. Kind of one of those things where they're like, let's just make an online store and see how it goes. Well, TCG started when um, we started getting off eBay and we got on uh, Crystal Commerce and we found out that just getting on TCG Player is infinitely better than getting on eBay. Mm-hmm. And uh, Crystal Commerce kept track of all of our inventory. And the hardest part about eBay was like updating all the prices and updating prices for our inventory was just a click of a button on Crystal Commerce and that's just synced up to TCG Player and it made my life a lot easier. Yeah, they do take a pretty high percentage but anyone does now. But it's It's, worth it. You're going to notice something if you open a... I'll say just our store. This this, this covers a lot of businesses but a gaming store... The people that make the most money off of you owning a store, definitely not you. Um, TCG Player takes what, 12%, 12.5% end of the day? If we sell on TCG Player, I think? Yeah, after Crystal Commerce and TCG Player, I think we lose 13% of every sale. Yeah, like uh, TCG Player takes the bulk of that. Uh, Crystal Commerce takes a couple percentage of that. It's Obviously, the versus. government makes a billion dollars. I could ramble about the government for fucking ever. <laughs> um, fucking pirates. But um, I'm with you. Yeah, God. And, uh, you know, eBay takes... What is eBay at now? Like 12, 28%? I don't even know. Uh, uh, eBay's around 12. Uh, Amazon Fulfillment takes 20-ish percent. You know, they, they take large percentages. But we're in the business where our margins are very small. Mm. Like, and that and that's fine. Like when we sell a booster box on eBay, we used to get let's round up to two dollars. We buy a booster box right now. They're seventy seven fifty. They used to be seventy two fifty. We'd buy it for seventy two fifty, sell it on eBay for eighty nine ninety nine. After eBay fees, PayPal fees, you know, shipping fees, we'd make about two dollars. So 
between the post office, eBay, PayPal, Wizards of the Coast, and our distributor, who they market up as well, we made the smallest chunk out of the other five people taking a piece of that pie. So it's it's funny that we make the smallest amount when whenever we sell anything. You just have to sell that quantity to get there. Mm-hmm. So the, the amount of money that TCG player makes is fucking unfathomable, man. I can only imagine how much money they make. Uh, yeah, from what I've read, they've got a staff of sixty people at this point running yeah, that site. I mean, so it's got they got to be making some cash. I mean, even just if you just look at us, just taking ten percent of us, it's can't I can't even tell you. I mean. Let me put it this way: the post office, we give them about sixty grand a year easily. Mm-hmm. Like, now that's the post office, different beast. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you know, we give TCG player probably more than that. Like, because the post office is anywhere between like two dollars to ship something and like five dollars to ship something. But on TCG player, when they're taking about, let's just say ten percent of everything we sell, the value, we're giving the post office that much money to ship shit from like TCG player. You can only imagine how much money they're making on it. Like, mm-hmm. God, it's crazy. But yeah, you but make the smallest amount of money. That's the thing, right? Without them, there would be no platform to sell, right? So it's kind of there a, would meh. There would be others. I don't think TCG players is a necessity. Uh, it's awesome and it's a great service. I'm glad it exists because it allows. It doesn't matter how big you are or small you are. It even allows people who don't own stores to sell on it. I I like TCG player not for the ease of us to use but for the ease of everyone to buy from. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for the community because it keeps it creates competition and competition is great because it keeps prices in check. You know, it doesn't allow places like Star City Games who there's a card that goes up in price and magically they're out of stock. A week later they come back with, "Oh, look, we found 300 copies and it's only triple the price now." Yeah. It cuts that bullshit out. So it's fantastic for the community. That's why I'm glad TCG Player exists. If it went under, I don't think it would really hurt um, stores terribly too much because there's always other places to sell. There's always other avenues you can go down. I just like it for the community, honestly. But it's almost a nece- uh, necessary beast, though, is how big it is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're selling online and you're not selling on TCG Player, I think you're either grinding it out or you're someone like Channel Fireball who's just like, fuck it, we're so big. But if you look, though, even even Star City Games sells a lot of their shit through Amazon Fulfillment. You know, even a juggernaut as big as Star City Games, you still find selling through Amazon and eBay and shit like that. So... I guess at that point, it's kind of like a you can get more sales, so why not? Yeah, exactly. Even if the margins are thinner, you you should (laughs) do it anyways. But TC Player is great because it's easy to get into if you own a store and it's great for the community. So it's a great service. It's just... Man, it hurts when you... At the end of the day, when you look at the the bill the prices because um it's a different beast now with buying singles and even just in the past few years we used to have people coming in all the fucking time selling us things now it's just people who are too lazy to sell everything they have on ebay or it's people who are just like fuck it whatever i don't care about you know i can make the extra money yada yada it's too easy for players to sell things and you know, get almost as much money as we would get out of it. So, you know, let's just let's use nice even numbers here. You come in with a hundred dollar collection and we're like, all right, we'll give you sixty five for it. 
they're like, ah, oh, man, but I could get like 95 for it on eBay. We're like, yeah, but the problem is, is we give you 65, we immediately lose $12 the TCG player, plus we have to ship it all out. And if we piecemeal it all out, we're going to pay $20 in shipping. You know, now we're looking at making only a couple dollars, plus I have to pay my employees $15 an hour to inventory it, sort it, you know, and then also print out everything when it sells and then go find it. And then sh- I'm like, at the end of the day, I might make, you know, $5 off of that, even if I pay you 65 mm-hmm. it's, So it's tough. They can get more money out of it now, and the money just gets spread so thin everywhere. It's like, I'm investing $65 to make 5 Fine, because I'll make it. I will make it. But it's tough because when they're like, well, I kind of wanted like 80 for it. Like, I would love to give you that, but I lose money at that point. You know, even though it looks like the customer that I'm going to make 20, I'm not, you know. Yeah, and that's one of the difficulties too, right? Because they don't, most customers don't understand the math behind how you run your business. So They don't. And those kinds of interactions when you're like, okay, I'm offering you this for the value that you think your collection is worth. They just kind of feel like, oh, well, that's uh, not so I would love, not good. I would love to give them more. If it's something where, let's say you sell me a $1,000 collection, you know, and let's say I knew I was going to sell all of it in shop, and it was going to move quickly in shop, I wouldn't mind giving you $950 for it, you know? Like, I'll make $50. Cool. Awesome. Like, that's okay. But, yeah, people don't know the math, and it's too pretentious of you to break it down for them. If I'm like, well, I'm going to pay this and this and this and this, I take that as just kind of pretentiousness, honestly. Mm. So I just let them know after all the costs involved, believe me or not, I literally, I just can't go higher. And I do feel like an asshole, but over time, less and less collections are coming through our door because it's too easy for someone to sell it on TCG Player to do this and that. But again, it's good for the community, and I like it. I do like that players have a better option now of selling out and getting more money out of it than they used to. I do like that. It does make it harder for us businesses, but it's on our shoulders as a business to learn new ways to make money, to be innovative and creative. You know, if we stay the same, we go stagnant and stale, we go under. So it's good for shops to stay on their toes. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to bitch about it because it does suck. Yeah. I would like to make easy money. But no, it's it's definitely shifting to the community, and it's a great thing. It just means Aaron and I have many more hours of sitting in the back in the shop trying to figure out, well, what, what's our next step? What do we do? How do we stay ahead of the game? But in the end, I think it makes it better for us. But yes, it is frustrating. It definitely is. Okay. Not, and that, I can definitely agree with that part. That's... Just the nature of business and the world in general is, you know, things adapt, things change. And especially in the internet age, things change very quickly. So very, you have very to quickly. be willing to to pivot. Well, I remember, say. you know, when I was playing Magic, let's go back to the late 90s here. And I walked into a store and I'm like, well, how much is this ice manipulator? You know, unlimited ice. They're going to be like $40. The only thing I can do is trust their word. There was no eBay, you know, mm-hmm. at this time. Well, late 90s there was, but you know what I mean. We're going unlimited here, so we're going mid-90s, actually, maybe early. You know, Scry Magazine might come out once a month of the price. And you're like, okay, this store says it's $40. It must be $40. And there wasn't many stores to drive around to because if they're like $40, my thought wasn't, well, let me get in my car and go drive to the store, you know, two blocks away. And You, know, you didn't price shop. You really didn't know the prices. You depended on the store owner. And now when I went to sell that card to them, they weren't selling it online. They weren't eBaying it. They might be like, all right, well, I can give you, you know, $15 for it. 
you looked at it going, hey, I got $15 back. You were you just had to accept it is what it, it is what it is on the customer side and the store side. But now it's like, you know, when someone's like, how much is this card? And you're like, $40. They're instantly like, well, TCG player has it for 35 Yep. Or they're like, well, there's a million stores I can go to and get a better deal. It works both ways with buying and selling. The The beast has changed dramatically. And as you said, the Internet age, it keeps changing and keeps changing. And it's it's one hell of a ride for the customers and the store owner. It's And like I said, even in the past, like maybe, I don't know, Aaron, when do you think the drop off in collections kind of start? And not even collections, just individual sales. I'm not sure. Maybe uh, about a year ago is when we start stopped getting collections in. Yeah, and or, or yeah, around the time we got on TCG Player, and it's been about a year since we've been on that. But that also, might have been people got out of the game, and just people just haven't been in very often. Yeah, so we also did, yeah, because I also did see a drop off in people coming into the store too around that time. Yeah, hmm. new players have slowed down. That's, and that's throughout all the, like, I, I talked to a lot of the store owners in the area, and that's across the board. It's not just people avoiding our shop, but there, there has, at least in our area that we are in, there have been less new players of the game. Which I'm not trying to say magic's dying or gaming in general mm-hmm. at all, but there has been a slowdown. Well, it, it has been experiencing some crazy growth for the last 10 years, so it's got to slow down at some point. Yeah, except before it hits a bubble, definitely. Mm-hmm. What do you think it changed for your area, though? Like, what did anything concrete happen in the last year that uh, is driving new players away? Are they going to something else? I don't think so. No, hmm. not really. Honestly, um, I really, I don't know. Pokemon's actually growing at a really good rate. There's a lot, a lot more people getting into Pokemon than Magic. Now, granted, a lot of this I think is the kids hitting the right age to start getting into gaming. You know, it's a lot of parents bringing their kids in or whatever. Mm. So that's just kind of kind of happened. But no, um, I I personally, gaming in general is getting better than ever. It's getting more socially acceptable. Um, this whole Gamergate men versus women bullshit is starting to die down. There's so gaming is growing in general by leaps and fucking bounds. What the slowdown of magic could be is I'm not really sure what's getting people out of it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where they're going other than that. You obviously have the people who are, you know, getting married, this and that. They're getting out of it. That's like with any fucking hobby. Yeah. But I don't know what might be causing it. I really don't. Um, it's not stale, and there's great sets that are, we still have amazing sets coming out. You know, Wizards is doing a fantastic job of what they're doing. I, I just think it's just kind of, eh, it's just happening for some reason. Maybe just a demographic wave, just yeah, like each area is age, different. Age dip, just not as many people. Yeah, and you know, I'm not saying it's the same everywhere because, like, for example, in our area. Um, it's impossible for us to get like modern and legacy to, to, to stick around. There are pockets of it, but you go a half hour north of us, and there is a monstrous vintage area up there hmm. where they get really big vintage turnouts. And that's only like a half hour north in Cleveland. So each area is different than the demographics. It might just be ours is just kind of seeing more people get out of magic than getting into it. It could be as simple as that. 
So I'm not saying it's doomsday. I'm not saying anything like that. It's just what we've noticed in our specific area. Okay. Except force of will has exploded in every fucking card shop across America. That has happened. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be going pretty nuts. I'm hearing a lot more about it in the last couple of weeks than I have ever before. Just all of a sudden it's everywhere. You, on the Facebook groups that I'm part of, of store owners only, every fucking one of us is like, we can't keep it on our shelves. It, it's finally a card game in the past, what, 15 goddamn years that's came out that is actually popular? There's been other games that have came out, you know, like Kaijudo, for like three seconds people played it. And this is still new. It could die. It could easily die. But there's so many people getting into it so fast that the momentum's there. It's going to keep growing and getting bigger for a while. Like, I have faith in this game. And I haven't seen a card game come out in 15 years that I would have had faith in, honestly. So it's, it's weird. It's weird. Why do you think that is? What is it about Force of Will? I haven't personally played it yet, so what is it about the game that makes it so popular? I can answer personally why it's popular. Um, it does have a lot of mechanics from, like, Magic, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, you know, World of Warcraft. There's a little bit of all of it in there. Mm-hmm. To me, it fixes the problem that... Okay, I used to play World of Warcraft. I was actually number one in Ohio for World of Warcraft TCG for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And there's, here's the big reason why I loved WoW and why I love Force of Will. You don't get mana flooded and you don't get mana screwed. You just don't get fucked that way. And you don't get it in Force of Will. Your mana stones, which is basically your mana, is in a separate deck. And you can call them out basically whenever the fuck you need to or want to, like once per turn. So my biggest gripe with Magic is you can be the world's best player. It doesn't matter. You don't draw the lands, you don't draw the lands. You know, you draw too many, yep. you draw too many. Yeah. It's a design from the early 90s. It's a flawed design. Wizards knows this. Everyone knows it. Now, a lot of people like it that way. They like the variance. That's fine. But I hate it. In Force of Will, no. If I have something I know I need to cast in the sixth turn, I know I can cast it on the sixth fucking turn. Like, it's nice. In World of Warcraft, it's the same thing where they had quests instead of lands. If you didn't want to play a quest or couldn't play one, you could take any card in your hand and play it face down as basically a colorless mana. So, Force of Will fixed it, and it's refreshing to know that you get to play your deck the way you intended to play your deck. You're not at the whim of the mana god, you know? Mm-hmm. To me, that's a huge selling point. Plus, it's a fun game. It's honestly a really fun game on top of that. So, it fixed some things, I think, that were, you know, annoying and has some fun mechanics. I mean, Aaron plays. What's your take on it, Aaron? Uh, I think people like it because... It plays exactly like magic, and it's super easy to learn. It's, I mean, is there anything that you dislike about it? Uh, the art's a little uh, weird at times, but... Yeah, I agree to that. Other at least you're in America. Yeah, I mean, other than that... It is very Japanese. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fun. It's fun and it's easy to learn. And I think that'd be the biggest thing to strike it's against it is... No, different's good, but... You know, on our YouTube channel, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the uh, the anime, whatever. And it's like, yeah, my answer is it's from Japan, which they're completely okay with all that. And over here in America, we're so butthurt, PR-friendly about everything, you know, that something like this coming across that is obviously objectification on some cards, it's that's going to be its biggest hurdle to get over. Like, it's almost to the point where I think if they're going to release English versions, they should probably change some of it. I'm okay with all of it because I'm like, it's just a game. It's anime. This is what they do. This is their culture. Okay. You know, but it's like, 
they might should they they might want to change some of it for PR friendly America, you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't know what's going to hurt it unless Wizard or Hasbro decides to sue them into the ground. But I don't even know if they can because they'd have to chase them in Japan, you know. Because of similarities in the game design. Yeah, they sued Hex TCG, which uh, I don't know if you know anything about Hex TCG. I've heard about how Wizards uh, tried to shut them down because the game yeah. was very like structurally similar in a lot of ways, it, right? It definitely was. It again, it fixed the mana problem. It's an extremely fun game. They're still making it. Um, you can still play it. I, I highly suggest people check it out because it is a phenomenal game. It's online only. And they and since it's online only, you can do cool things. Like when you shuffle a card back in the deck, it gets to keep an effect. You get to shuffle cards into your opponent's deck. You can do a lot of things virtually that you can't do physically. Yeah. Of course. But there I believe the lawsuit's still ongoing. Um, unfortunately hmm. Cryptozoic is such a small company now. Blizzard took the rights to World of Warcraft back from them so they can make Hearthstone. That I don't think Cryptozoic has the money now that they're no longer propped up by Blizzard to fight the lawsuit so i'm worried about that um but again it's, it's an american company I, I don't i don't know enough about international law or anything on how wizards or hasbro i should say would even pursue this in japan yeah that might I, be difficult yeah i don't and hopefully I don't they just don't they, yeah i hope they don't either because i get people protecting their you know their intellectual property i, I get that but really with how many gamers there are now and the fact that, like, I don't really... Yu-Gi-Oh! It's a different beast. It's something that I've never even looked at. But, like, you know, Pokemon has its own group. So does Yu-Gi-Oh! So does Magic. There is so much room. There needs to be more card games. There's more than enough room for it. So, really, I want to see this game stick around because it is fun. It is It is really fun. It, it needs to stick around. I'd be really sad if Wizards went after them. I was pretty sad they went after Hex because... Hex does resemble magic a lot, but it's very unique. It is very unique, and it can do things that magic can't. And I really wanted that to stick around, but we'll see on that one. Hmm. So try to get a chance. Yeah, I, I really... There needs to be more than just three card games. There really just does. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. So speaking of card games, what other games does your shop uh, support other than magic and Force Will? Really, not much, man. Pokemon, really, so yeah, Pokemon. Uh, we've actually sold out of Pokemon a couple times, but it is growing. But that's really it. We cater to what people want. Um, if there's you know a collective voice for it, and that's what happened with Force of Will. Mm-hmm. I knew Force of Will was pretty huge um, before we got into it, but once my customers wanted it, we got it. Like some of my distributors tried pushing Card Fight Vanguard on me, and it is it is a popular game, but my customers didn't really want it. So we didn't we didn't go for it. We're not very innovative in the fact of we push things on customers. Because like I said, I don't want to push shit down people's throats. I don't. And if we carried Card Fight Vanguard, even if it's a good game, a fun game, and you know it's pretty popular throughout America, I personally don't want to stock up on it and then suggestive sale it and force it down people's throats. I hate when businesses do that. I don't want to do it. So if my customers or the area wants it then i will supply it i i don't like to do it the opposite way if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah no, that, so, that, that makes perfect sense it's actually a lot better that way most of the time if your customers are telling you 
you know, you should get this game in and, and sell it to me. That's a pretty good, you know, hint that you should probably get that game in and, and sell it to them rather than oh, exactly. going it the other like way. We so. like, like we did with Dragon Ball Z for a little while because people that wanted it. You know, we don't really stock it much anymore because there's really... Funny part is, is most of them went over to Force of Will. But, yeah, we'll get it. We'll stock it. We'll stock singles of it. Any game that we get, I want to stock singles of because I hate stores that sell only booster packs. Good God. Um, one, why, why even yeah. go to that store and play? And two, I think a lot of those stores are... They're doing one of two things, and I disagree with both. They're either trying to do more pack sales, which means they're going to make more money because you make more money selling individual packs. Or they don't either have the financial means or care enough to have singles. And if you don't care enough to have singles, then why are you trying to push it in your store? Mm. You know, either care about it and, and go into it. Yeah, I disagree with both of those approaches. So anything we have card game, I want singles of because then it's a community. You can build a community of people there. Otherwise, you're just selling them shit and telling them to fuck off. And I don't like that. <laughs> All right, let's get Aaron talking. I feel so yeah. terrible. We we do actually. We like to carry things that I want to. So I want to force the will. So we got it. Since I, I do a lot of the ordering, so I wanted Dragon Ball Z. So I ordered it. So it's it's really just a source surrounded by me being selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I fucking lied. I do have to say one more thing. This is what Aaron said. Um, heads up to anyone who owns a store. Because Aaron, a lot of times, will gather up shit that he wants and takes it home. One, I don't know if he's even paying for it or not. I don't even fucking care. But if your manager wants to gather up some fucking product because he likes it and he's taking it home and cracking it, by all fucking means, it makes more business sense that even if Aaron wasn't paying for it, if Aaron is emotionally invested into a card game, he cares about it and he plays it, now he has a much better understanding so he can operate as a business much better, and it's going to make the community better when your people that work for you can talk to the customers about the games that they like. So if your manager wants to take home a couple hundred bucks and sealed shit, by all fucking means, let them do it, unless they're flipping it on eBay, but I know Aaron's not. Because it's so much better for the atmosphere and for the business when you have guys that care about what you're selling. So stop that. I'll, I've talked to too many people who are just like, yeah, I, I sell it to them at a discount sometimes. Fucking, ugh, let them have it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to rant. Go ahead, Aaron. I pay for my stuff. <laughs> no, he doesn't throw that out there. <laughs> no, I, I believe he does, but Aaron, even if you didn't, I wouldn't fucking care because I know you're not going to go overboard with it. I'm the one that goes overboard with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably true. No, it's it's totally true. I feel bad sometimes when I walk in, like with Force of Will. I grabbed a couple boxes for myself. I like to collect everything sealed, and I wanted to build my own collection. And a few times I'd walk in and I'm like, if I grab a box, I wonder if Aaron's going to yell at me. <laughs> so, yeah. Did it happen? Uh, I tell him, uh, just leave the stuff with the store. Uh, use your discretion, you know. <laughs> Don't leave us with nothing. A gentle I suggestion. Try. Yeah, I, I try not to, but... Mm. Alright, anyways, good. I'm sorry, I had to rant about that. Trust hmm? your fucking managers, people. I cannot stress that enough. Too many store owners don't. Totally agree. Uh, and I love the the, the tangents they make I, good stories I, okay if we if we do this again which i would love to do this again um now that like a lot of the the beginning intros are done we can <clears throat> trust me aaron and i we can rant about some fucking shit that needs to be ranted about there's too much shit in this industry especially on youtube and stuff that i think people need to hear and know about that just they just don't know about 
really. I but agree with that. that. And if you if you want to come back, I would definitely love to have you. This is a a very good episode. Definitely, like, yeah. There's even specific things we can go on for like two hours about, like that. I, I people just need to know about. But anyways, just Aaron, please talk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, what were we talking about? <laughs> I was just rambling. Oh, okay. Uh, how about this? You said you you get a lot of uh, people who are saying, oh, how, how do I open a card store like yours or something like that from watching your YouTube videos? What do you tell them that they need before they start? Well, the first thing I tell them is you have to have a brick-and-mortar store because you can't sign up for distributors without a brick-and-mortar store because they're going to want pictures. And so I tell them, find a good location. And parking is important. I'm going to chime in real quick. Mm-hmm. You can do it without a brick-and-mortar store, but I'm going to make you one promise right now. I've shut down three, quote-unquote, stores so far, and I will continue shutting them down as I find them. There are people who open a brick-and-mortar store, get all the contracts, and then they close the brick-and-mortar store because it does take a while for Wizards to find out and the distributors. Mm. I am aware of this, people. I have found three of you in our city alone, and I will keep finding you and shutting you down because that hurts our small businesses and you don't do shit for the community. You only care about the money. You don't care about the money, and you want to hurt the small businesses, I will continue shutting you down. Okay, continue. See yeah, you, so, so you need a brick-and-mortar store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's probably, like, the most common question I, I get is, uh, where do I start? And I, I have to say brick-and-mortar store. And then uh, finding distributors is probably the second question, I, most common question I get. And really, that's just a quick Google search. Uh, I can't really say which distributors we go through because, like, I have promises. Uh, yep, they hate that. Yeah, but I, if, I they, if somebody wants to find it, they can. They yeah, can figure it's it not, out on their own. It's not hard. Uh, I mean, the, once you own a store, though, I will talk to you about it all day long. Mm. Yeah, I will be transparent about everything I'm allowed to be. I will follow the rules. I will respect other businesses' wishes. Um, but once you own a store, I'm allowed to talk to you about any of it. So once you have that legal paperwork, all day long we can talk about distributors. Yeah, right, I can give like the, the big distributors. And I, I usually tell them like Alliance is really big. And, and everyone knows about Alliance. So I'll tell them you can go through Alliance, but they're really expensive. So I'd rather you go find someone else. And I always tell them to go, if you can, go directly through people. But, I mean, the first step is getting a brick-and-mortar store. Second step, sign up for distributors. Third step, profit. <laughs> People that easy, guys. You can go straight through, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of manufacturers. You can go through them. Some of them have a buy-in where you have to buy in um, as much product. You know, you have to be able to move as much. But there are a lot of distributors, or not distributors, manufacturers that allow you to go directly through them. And you save the markup price of that distributors do. So always approach every manufacturer you plan on carrying. If the worst case scenario, they say no. Best case scenario, you're now making an extra, you know, three to five percent off each product. Mm-hmm. Worth it. What about uh, things like certain skills or product knowledge or uh, you know money? Not much money, honestly, to start a, a, a game store. For actually, Aaron, sorry, go. I forgot. Go. Um, <laughs> I'm too chatty. I mean, I I don't really see the money issue. I just kind of assume we have money. I mean, but the the product <laughs> the product knowledge though, 
I mean, you'll learn as you go. I mean, when we first started, I was out of the game for like four years, and Kevin, I'm not even sure, we, we had some EDH knowledge, and we're like, oh, this is a good EDH card. But we knew nothing about standard, and we just jumped into it. And really, you just have to know prices of like singles or whatever. But like, um, just carrying sealed product, you just kind of you can you can just guess. Or uh, there's a couple of websites you go to if you carry board games. You can go like uh, Board, board game, game Geek, mm-hmm. or um, just that's what I went to. But yeah, I, information's out there. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm different because I actually have a lot of knowledge of board games and weird card games. So, but well, I, the main I, thing... I, sorry, I go ahead. Up. Yep. My knowledge... The only knowledge I have <laughs> doesn't help my store. Like, I played... I actually bought into Moto and played Standard for a while just to learn Standard. Um, which I think is a great help for me personally to know Standard because I can help customers more on this and that. We hire in guys who know it like the back of their fucking hand. But my personal knowledge when it comes to gaming is vintage magic, which doesn't help my store at all. Um, anything Nintendo. Shit that I don't even sell. So my personal knowledge that I came into this with and that I maintain right now does not help my store. So you can easily hire in people that'll know that. And it's really quick to learn. When I jump into Moto and play Standard, you can play it for like a week and completely understand the meta. You can go to, what is it, top8.com or whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. for all the top eight. Ma- you can just sit down and do it like a business where go over all the top magic decks. You know, you can spend an hour a night doing that in a businessy sort of way. It's pretty easy to pick up any knowledge that you don't have. Like I said, board game geek, you can go there and look at the top 20 new board games, buy those. You know, you can easily cut corners that way you might not be as knowledgeable with it and be able to make as good recommendations, but you can easily catch yourself up to speed in any area that you need to be. In most cases, people come in with a general idea. Like, if they're standard, they have a general idea of what they're going to buy. Yep. Um, a lot of people just come into the store with a general idea of what they're looking for. Um, board games is a little bit different because they might just be browsing. But for the most case, people know what they're looking for. And you can kind of just kind of guide them. Yeah, the the biggest thing we have is that I direct a customer is they might be getting into magic and I'm just like, I can tell them all where they should start this and that. But when they're like, I want to start being a modern player, you know, or a standard, player, you know, what should I do? That's something where I'm glad we have Yusuf and Baker, you know, because I can be like, talk to them. They know everything. Dan Musser is a godsend because he doesn't work for us, but he's really good about just helping people. So you'll find the really good players and you know that will help but that's the only time i'm just like listen i'm not even going to deal with you because i could give you the wrong answer and i don't fucking want to hmm. so you know but again if you're going to hire someone for car again there's a card store that I, I can't name i'm not allowed to that has an employee there who she knows nothing about anything in that shop and it's like Every customer I know that goes to that shop, it's miserable. We don't want to go there when she's there. I never wanted to because unless I go in specifically knowing what I want and it's easy for her to find, it was so goddamn miserable going there. You know, so again, if you own a card shop, you should be hiring people that know the games and this and that, and you can lean on them. It's swallow your pride, man. There's nothing wrong with being like, hey, you work for me. 
but I need your help, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can easily cover the gaps that you're missing. That's encouraging. And you, you don't need to call, um, carry stuff that you know a lot about. Like, we, I know a lot about Pathfinder and D&D. We don't carry it. But if someone comes in and asks about it, I could talk to them for, like, three hours about it. Which is great, because they, they make a friend. Uh, yep. They can't do anything about it, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, they might the sp- they might support the store in a different way. Yeah, I usually just tell them to get on the street. So, yeah, we we do direct people all the time to other card shops. There's there's even some that fucking despise us, and they know we carry certain products that their customers want, and they won't even mention our name. Mm-hmm. And we still send customers to them. So it's like another thing if you own a card shop, you know, grow up, be an adult. Like this isn't a popularity contest, and this isn't about stuffing your bank full of money your customer wants something i don't care if i fucking hate the person direct them there so they don't have to go online and buy from you know a big box place like target or walmart or from amazon like let small businesses flourish because it's hard enough for us to yeah we're all kind of in this together no in the end of the day we are if i personally hate another store owner that should not affect how I want a small business to succeed, how I want the customer base to get what they want. Like it should, they're separate, you know, separate business from personal, like learn how to do that. That's something that a lot of people get caught up on, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something I tried with my employees. I don't know how well I've done it with my other employees, but like business is business. Personal is personal. Like if Aaron fucks up royally, I have no problem you know, saying you fucked up, dude. But I have no problem two seconds later being like, how is shit, man? You know what I mean? Like, one's business and one's personal. Like, be able to separate that when it comes to your employees, your customers, and other stores. Just, you have to do that. Otherwise, you're you're gonna be stressed the fuck out. Shutting up again, sorry. <laughs> that was good stuff. Yeah. If you had to start over from scratch... Go back to day one. Would you do anything differently? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't waste four grand on a website we never use. <laughs> We've, we have wasted a lot of money. We, uh, we learned from it, but... I mean... Um, expensive lessons. It's yeah. the same... Yeah, but that perspective is the same as if like you could go back with a winning lottery ticket number. You know, True. it's something where... We'd go back and cut out all the growing pains and just do every all the perfect stuff, which is, you know, pretty straightforward. Now, for anything we've gotten into that was successful, but yet we would change, it just kind of wasn't worth it and this and that. Aaron, what's your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm talking way too much. but I mean, I can really just think of like a couple of things. Like, you don't need a giant expensive website because no one's going to go to it. They're going to find you on TCG Player. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, saturation. We didn't learn saturation as well as I should have. Like, when the singles market of Magic is very saturated, and I knew off bat I wasn't going to try to be a channel fireball or an ABU or anyone else huge. So I should not have tried to build a website where we're going to sell only on that website. I knew I wasn't going to put in the time and effort to get that website to be where it was so that was a doomed 
that wasn't a growing pain that wasn't you know any that was just a, a fuck up on my part because <clears throat> I knew I wasn't going to try to get it to where it needed to be for that you know thing I feel like I stopped okay. making sense halfway through that sentence <laughs> <laughs> but I knew I wasn't going to go all in on that so what the point was me even trying I knew it was going to be a hard fight against well come by for me instead of Star City Games you know like no and I knew TCG player was a thing and I knew that's probably where we were going to go to but it, and I understand that now with Force of Will Force of Will is not saturated there's not a lot of Force of Will websites out there I've been to all of them that there are and every time I'm there I go I can do better I have the same mentality as Force of Will in thought process and feelings as I do with the crate service so it's something where I go I know I can turn dariums.com into straight Force of Will I know I can do a better service for everyone and I know I can make it popular cool so now I'm throwing dariums.com straight into Force of Will so it's like I know the end game is there and I know I'm going to see it through. So I know as long as, you know, Force Will sticks around, I know I can make it work. With Magic, I should have known that the end game wasn't going to be that. It was going to be TCG or something else. But I still dropped the money into it when I, I should not have. But you could also make the argument that you wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have been able to do what you're doing now with Force Will without having that lesson first off with Magic. Yeah, that, but that I don't did think... did give you a, a bit of a head start with this one. It did give me a better understanding, but I think it's a lesson that I should have seen without taking any action. Does that make sense? Yeah. Could have. It's kind of like. You could have ran the thought experiment your, without spending the money, maybe. Yeah. Like you learn a great lesson when you're a kid and your mom says the stove's hot and you touch it anyways. You're like, oh, mm. fuck. You know, but it's still kind of like. But when you're an adult and someone says, oh, that's hot, you shouldn't have to learn that hard lesson anymore. You should be able to sit down and think it through and not do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Yes, you'd learn the lesson still, but I, I shouldn't have not had her, her learn it that harshly. I can't really think of anything else that we would change. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it's been such a fun ride. Like, really, I mean, maybe got into YouTube and stuff sooner because it's been so fun, but... Yeah, maybe. I mean, we always talked about, like, recording just whatever shit we did during the store hours. And then we finally just did it. But we talked about it for months before that. I can tell you going forward, if you ask me this question five years from now, I can answer that question already, what I'm going to regret. We need to do more with YouTube. We need to do more with our fans. Uh, We need to do more of that. We want to. Aaron and I, we don't have the fucking time to. We don't. And the people we've hired in so far have you know, been producing content and stuff, but not... It's not on them to grow it to the point that I want to grow it. It's on me. So I'll admit right now that I am, I am hardcore failing in that area. And I already regret the fact that I'm not putting the time and effort to doing exactly what we're doing right now. Like a podcast like this. Mm-hmm. Or I want to put cameras in the shop to live stream the shop. <laughs> you know, I want to do more autograph signings. I want to do... I need to do more of that. I've just been letting myself get swapped with other projects that... I've been neglecting that, and I'm going to fucking regret it because I'm already regretting it right now. So, mm. well, there's I only 24 hours in the day, right? There you gotta, is. But you got to put your time somewhere, and that's true. But I don't want to come off as if all I do is work. I mm. don't. You know, I do spend a lot of times, you know, watching YouTube videos that I want. You know, working on my Nintendo. You know, I do, um, because I'm not going to let work swallow me whole. But the thing is, I. 
literally it's always in the back of my mind no matter what the fuck i'm doing that i need to reach out to the fans more so i don't know why i'm not doing it but i will guarantee you it's going to be a massive fucking regret of mine so i can give you that one at least so aaron i need you to start kicking me in the ass on that one (laughs) um he did with this podcast i wanted to do it when i heard about it i'm like fuck yes let's do it and aaron would mention me you know it's like what about doing the podcast i'm like all right yeah we'll get to it you know that's kind of my mentality so he let me know he's like i'm gonna arrange this and i'll let you know the time and i'm like awesome let's do this and i'm glad he did you know yeah me too so it's I, I it's not the motivation i just need someone to kick me in the ass and force me to fucking do it i guess it's that's just, your job aaron there's just too many things to do gotta crack that whip <laughs> there is i don't know i need to think of something well, well that that'll be another thing because some other time i do want to talk about the notoriety of youtube the fake celebrity as i like to call it because it's been fucking surreal man it's been surreal i still don't get it being youtube but, famous yeah it's we only have thirty thousand subscribers we we are nothing when it comes to youtube nothing but when it comes to card games 30,000 is huge so it's mm-hmm. it's a surreal experience and I don't want to get into it now because it'll it's like it's an hour plus you know thing usually but I'll tell you now man I, I, I can't get over the fact that like almost every day we have things show up at the shop that people want us to deface their card shops with the scribblings of our you know quote unquote autograph and send it back and I love <laughs> doing it for them love makes them happy but I'm like dude I'm just me you know I'm just some yahoo with a camera like, that's the only way I can explain us. And it's it's surreal. Like, when Baker and Musser and shit go to tournaments and they get, like, they get spotted by people, like, I, I'm glad it's surreal for all of us because it keeps it from going to our heads. Don't get me wrong, because we, I, like, I want to cry when I talk about my appreciation for our fans. Like, it makes me that emotional. It literally does. And I fucking hope to God, well, I'm an atheist or whatever, but still, <laughs> that that I stay that way. I, I fucking hope that if I ever do become let it go to my head, you know, and start acting like I'm awesome, that people knock me down. Because uh, I know some YouTubers that are like that, and they're miserable people. But, like, it's surreal. I want to get into that sometime, but I, I still can't wrap my... I, I sometimes sit around here because, like, um, with my girlfriend or whatever, um, Snapchat. I'll send out a Snapchat, and I'll get six, seven hundred fucking views, like, on my Snapchat, you know, when I put on my timeline. And, like... It's just, it's surreal. It's just, it's so weird. I'm like, why does 700 people want to see a fucking picture of my guinea pigs? It's, it's just, it's mind-blowing. Why do people want to watch me work all day? I know. It's I interesting, work, isn't it? I just have a job, and I just work there. Like, that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, I, I, I just get up and go to my job like everyone else does, and people like watching me work. But you know, if you turn that camera on, 5,000 people are going to see it. It's crazy. Yeah. Like... Again, 5,000 is not a lot compared to YouTube, but when you have 5,000 people that want to watch you do something boring because they care, that's I think that's the big part. You have, exactly. Each one, they you have 5,000 people who care about what you're doing, and that is just kind of out of the realm of most people's experience, right? No, it, it, it definitely is, and that's why, you know, I think it's why I, I seem more famous than what I am. You know, like I said, it's only 30,000, but a lot of those people there do care. So when you have 30,000 people like that, of course, we're going to get, you know, fan mail a lot. 
like only once a day is only 30 a month. That's nothing compared to, you know, whatever. But it's still, you know, every time I check in, it's there. It's still just like, holy fuck, this is awesome. You know, we have people come out from out of fucking the state to come visit us. Like, they just want to come meet us, and I fucking love it. God, it's so awesome. All right, anyway. <laughs> They like our characters. As someone said, yep. <laughs> like, I think I, I wasn't there a lot for this guy. Aaron had more experience. But I swear to God, I think this guy thought that we were, like, being like actors or something. Like putting on a show? Yeah, like reality show. I'm like, no, no, we're not. Someone said that I was their favorite character on Card Shop Life. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's, no, that's just me. It's me working. <laughs> Maybe I'm that's why they're like your that. favorite. That's, or that you're their favorite. That's, it is you. They know it's you. It's authentic. <laughs> I don't know. I I came off. I don't know. I feel I feel like they think I'm that my personality can't be a real person's personality, <laughs> but it is. You it can't is. be real. That's uh. my accomplishment for the day. Isn't when we move seven hundred boxes of magic. It's when I make Aaron giggle. If you can make Aaron giggle at something, dude, just go home and go to bed. You're not accomplishing anything better that day. It's. It's not easy. But damn, is it awesome. That seems like a pretty good note to finish up on. <laughs> I think so. I mean, listen to Aaron right now. That's how Aaron is. Right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's me. Uh, All right, how long was this supposed to be? Did we fucking... Did we force you to be on this, like, two hours too long? Well, n- normally we go for about an hour. So we're at the two hour and 15 minute mark. This is... But this has been great, so... Fuck yeah, we trapped them, Aaron. We trapped them. You're going to have so much fun editing, editing this. Meh. Just pieces and bits and pieces. I think most of it was uh, spectacular. Um, and I had a lot of fun. Okay. Sweet. Next time we do this, I'm going to show up a half hour late, so I'll actually let Aaron talk. I'm sorry. Ooh. I talked plenty. No, you didn't. I'm too used to actually like talking to people on Skype and doing this and that, where I, just, I ramble and I just don't shut up. I think that's what people like you. I, I'll always be honest and shit, but uh, people need to know Aaron, too. <laughs> no, whenever someone emails us, they just think it's you. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do ask a lot when they send us Facebook messages. Well, who am I talking to? I love being like, you're talking to Alex right now. They're like, oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry I lied to some of you people out there. Well, now they know. <laughs> yeah, it's either Aaron and I. That's it. This is me and Aaron. If you email us at contactedarians, it's always me. It is. I forget that even exists. All right, well, shut up so you can go do your thing, man. Uh, but <laughs> before we go, though, like, you normally I close with the show with, uh, you know, you letting everyone know where they can find you, where your site is. You know, plug. Aaron. We have so many sites. We do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, if you want me personally, which I, I, I try to talk to everyone as personal as I can, just at Darium, D-E-R-I-U-M on Twitter. Um. The store, Darium CCG, is on YouTube. That's that's what we need to start pushing again. Okay. Like, I'm not going to send you to any of our store pages or tell you to buy anything from us. We don't fucking care. <laughs> Darium CCG is on YouTube. Tweet at me at Darium. I guess Perfect. they can find us everywhere else on YouTube if they want. Yeah, if you want to talk to Aaron, I guess contact at Darium's. Just ask some wa- random weird question. He'll make his day, I'm sure. <laughs> cool. And hopefully you... Uh, make the subject correct or otherwise it's going to be lost in the void of spam oh god that mm-hmm. happens a lot. 
So don't offer to sell us any kind of like pills or anything. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no Viagra emails. Yeah. Keep congratulations you won out of the uh, subject title. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I would love to have you on again. You know, talk um, about all kinds of want. stuff. Just um, make just confirm a time with Aaron, dude, and I'll show up. Cool. I'm such a slacker. I'll admit to that. Great. But I appreciate it, dude. Fuck yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you coming on the show and taking up two hours of my time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're welcome. And Aaron, I guess I'll um, see you. Oh, shit. Monday, not tomorrow. No. All right. Cool. All right. Bye. I'll bid you right, good night. Have a good one, man. Bye. So that was part two of the interview with Aaron and Kevin. And I left a bit more of the conversation in this podcast than I usually do. Hopefully you liked hearing a bit of the background chatter. The guys shared a lot of info over these last two episodes, so if you have an opportunity, message Deeriums on Facebook or YouTube and let them know you liked what they're working on. Let them know you want more, because like Kevin said, he needs a kick in the ass sometimes, so go give him a reason. If you want more on Game Store Entrepreneurship and the Magic Community, you can head over to ManiverseSaga.com. You can check out the past episodes of the Maniverse podcast while you're there. And with that said, thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.